Do you like surprises? Surprises can be a very good thing uh, if they're planned, right? If someone plans a surprise birthday party for you, that is a good thing. We enjoy those. Getting a flat tire is surprising, but that's not a good thing. We like things that are planned. We like things uh, that are, are, are structured. In the book of Ephesians, we learn that God had a plan. His plan involved His Son, Jesus Christ. It was not an accident what Jesus did. Jesus dying on the cross and establishing the church was not plan B. It was plan A. It was God's only plan. This morning I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. And as we look at this passage, what we're going to find uh, is that God had a plan. And I want us this morning to think about that plan. I want to think about the spiritual blessings that we have in that plan. And I want us to think about how we can be in Him. That is to say, in Christ. So please be turning to Ephesians chapter 1. And, and just before we read Ephesians chapter 1, let me ask you another question. If you knew that God had a plan, would you have greater faith? Faith in His love, faith in His knowledge, faith in His ability to accomplish His plan, faith in His ability to give you eternal life. And if you knew that He had that plan, how will you respond to that plan? Will you respond by returning His love? Will you respond by trusting Him? Will you respond by following His plan? By now you've had a chance to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And as we begin to look at what Paul has to say here, think about the plan that God has for you. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise and glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in, his, or in Thee, Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention, which He purposed, in Him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth, in Him. Also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the, His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will, to the end that we who are the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. In Him 
you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance in, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. This is kind of a long passage. Believe it or not, in the Greek text, this is all one sentence. Uh, Paul likes to use run-on sentences, and in the Greek, you can get away with that. And so that's just one sentence, folks, all of those verses together. But in that one sentence, Paul says a lot of things. And what I hope that you'll notice is that he talks about God's plan for you. We get caught up many times because we look at this and we see that God had a plan. He says in verse 5, he predestined us to adoption. We cling to that word. What does that mean that he predestined us? That idea of predestined means to have a predetermined plan. God had a plan. And so Paul begins his letter to the church here at Ephesus, and really we think this was probably a circulatory letter, but it was a letter that was going around to the churches of Asia Minor, and it came to be associated with Ephesus. But he's writing to these Christians, and he starts off by talking about all the reasons that God is worthy to be praised. And really the big time reason is, is that God had a plan. And that plan had so many great things in it for you and me. I plan for my children to someday mow the lawn, take out the trash, and wash the dishes. I don't know if that's a good plan or not. They're shaking their heads no. But you see, God's plan for you and I don't have those types of things. It has tremendous blessing for us. And so Paul begins by saying this great statement of praise. Verse 2, grace and peace from, the, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. Did you notice in your New American Standard translation that places in italics? I'm not sure what translation you have this morning, but if you have word places, it's probably in italics because they're implying that that's what it says. Really, the text says, He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. I like that better than heavenly places. In the heavenlies. Sounds like a tropical place, doesn't it? You want to go to the tropics. I've been blessed in the heavenlies. But the point is, is that we have spiritual blessings that we can look forward to in heaven. Now, that's not to say that God doesn't bless us right here and now in our lives. As we, we prayed this morning, when you think about all the blessings we have as Christians living in the United States, we have tremendous blessings. We have blessings that people in other parts of this world can't even begin to imagine, at least not the, the ordinary common folk in those, in those places. I hope you count your blessings every day that God has allowed you to live in this country. But Paul says there's something even better than that. There are blessings that are coming to us in the heavenlies. Spiritual blessings. Things that we can't even anticipate yet. They are so great. 
But he says that's just the hem of the garment. That's just the, the tip of the iceberg. He says God had a plan, and that plan was in him. That is to say, in Christ. That's where we find the source of all these spiritual blessings is in Christ. He begins by divulging these plans in verse 4 when he says, just as he chose us in him. Folks, God's plan is that you would be in him. In fact, as we mentioned just a few minutes ago in verse 5, he says he predestined us to adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. That's God's plan. He is, he, what he predetermined, what he purposed in his heart before he even started the foundation of the world is that we would be in Jesus, that we would be adopted as his sons and as his daughters through Jesus Christ. That's God's plan. That's what he set about doing before he even started the foundations of this world in him, in Christ. That's where we have these spiritual blessings. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, verse 3. Over and over again, he's going to talk about the things that we have in Christ. You have to be in Christ. In fact, Paul says that phrase 13 times in these 14 verses. 13 times in verses 3 through 14, he says either in Christ, in him, in whom, referring to Christ, or beloved, referring to Christ, or through Christ. He spends the first two verses of this passage just introducing who he is and who he's writing to. And then he spends 11 verses talking about the plan that God has, and in those 11 verses, 13 times, he says, in him, in Christ. We need to be in Christ. If you want to find out if you are in a right relationship with God or not, if you want to find out if there is a great need in your life, you need to ask yourself, am I in Christ? Am I in Jesus? And that was his plan was that we could be in Jesus. Paul says that he did this before the foundation of the world. Having taught in public school at an engineering school, they're glad that I did not teach engineering classes. But one thing we had to incorporate even in our speech classes, which I did teach, was the STEM model or the engineering model. I bet Melissa knows something about that. you got to plan what you're going to do. You have to def define what the problem is. And then you have to come up with a theory about how you're going to solve that problem. you got to go through all these steps. And you got to test it. And you know, It's a big rigmarole, right? But if you're getting on an airplane, you're hoping that somebody did that process before you got on that airplane, right? If, if you're uh, taking a new medicine, you're hoping that some chemical engineer went through that process before you take that pill, right? Okay, and so before the foundation of the world, Paul says God had this plan. Now let that sink in for a minute. God knows your life before you even take one breath. 
And he knew that somewhere along the road in your life, you were going to do something that was going to separate you from God. And before God made the beautiful Pacific Northwest with all its mountains and trees, before he made West Texas with its flat grass, before he made the Mississippi Valley, before he made any of the beautiful places that you can imagine, depending on what your desire for geography is, before he ever made any of those things, Paul says he had a plan so that you would be in a relationship with him. A plan that would allow you to be blessed in the heavens. And Paul says that plan was that through Christ, in Christ, you would be adopted as his child. Not that you could come visit every once in a while. Not that you could come over on the holidays. But that you could be his son or his daughter through Jesus Christ. But you have to be in him. And so Paul says this is what God's plan was. It is that you would be in him. God was motivated, Paul says, out of love. Notice what he says again, verse 9. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to the kind intention which he purposed, here it is, in him. We back up a little bit in verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. When was the last time anyone lavished gifts on you? Mother's Day is coming up. Husbands, you need to get ready to lavish gifts, right? What is a lavishing of a gift on Mother's Day? You, know, you make some burnt toast, you make some burnt bacon, you make some burnt other things. You wake mom up early instead of her getting to sleep in. Well, that's going to be on a Sunday, so you're getting up anyway, right? But you take all that burnt stuff into it, right? And then you might give her one or two gifts, right? Baseball. But that's what we do on Mother's Day. That's not really lavishing gifts, right? We need to lavish stuff on our mothers. But Paul says that God has lavished his grace on us in the context of the forgiveness of sins. Now, here's why that's so important. Some of us have grown up in great families. And maybe the worst thing you ever did in your life was to lie to your parents or disobey your parents or maybe even take the trash out the first time you were told to do it. It'd be great, wouldn't it, if those were the bad things in our lives. But my guess is that for many people, there's something else there that you don't want the rest of us to know about. And there are some folks that have walked in such blackness in their lives or such darkness in their lives that in the back of their mind, they're thinking, yeah, I know God says he'll forgive me, 
But there are some folks who really wrestle with the thought of, but can they really forgive me for that? And Paul says, he loves you so much that he gave you through forgiveness of sins, through his compassion and his grace that he lavished on you. He didn't take just a little bit. He took a ton. And he poured it on. And he still pours it on. But all of that was in him. And the in him is in Christ. He lavished it on in Jesus Christ. Now, now think about that for a second. God's plan was that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I believe from John chapter 1 that Jesus is the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. I believe Paul, when he says in Colossians that in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. I believe the Hebrew writer who says that he is the exact representation of who God is and was the one through whom God fashioned the world. That Jesus, that God came to this earth not to compete with any other deity. That God came to this earth not to fool around with human beings as other ancient world religions do. That God came down here in the form of a human being to simply go to the cross to die so that all those sins that I've committed in my life and all the sins that you've committed in your life would be the weight on his shoulders. Or more accurately said, the weight hanging on the nails through his wrists and through his feet. And that's how he lavished his grace and his compassion and his mercy in him. Know anybody that's adopted? There's fees that go with that. Family fees, other adoption fees can be rather expensive. The adoption fee for you and me was the blood that trickled down the wood of that cross. The adoption fee for you and me was the blood that came out of the hole that that spear made in the side of Christ. The adoption fee for you and me was the blood that was left on the floor as Jesus was scourged by the Roman soldiers. The adoption fee that paid for you and me to become the sons of God or the daughters of God was the blood that flowed down Jesus' temples as the crown of thorns was thrust into his head. That's the adoption fee. That God the Father would look at his son 
and say, son, I think this would be a good idea for you to do. And God the son said, I'll do it. That's the gift of mercy, grace, and love that he lavished on us in him. That was his plan in him. Think about the spiritual blessings. We've talked about the plan. Let's think about the spiritual blessings that God has given us in Him. He now begins to articulate those things, as we've already mentioned some of them in verse 7. We have, first of all, redemption. We've been bought for a price. The idea of redemption is that you belong to someone else. It's a term of slavery. And redemption is the price that you have to pay to buy someone out of slavery. And in Him, that price was paid through Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ. He tells us also that the spiritual blessing that we have is the forgiveness of sins. Again, as we look here in verses 7, 8, and 9, according to the riches of His grace, riches paid in abundance. Notice this again. According to the riches of His grace, Verse 7, that you lavished on us. Verse 8, as we begin to look at these things, he talks about his abundance of grace, his abundance of love. He did it abundantly for us. Paul tells us that he made known to us the mystery of his will. What will was that, God? The will that he loved us so much that he was willing to send his son to die for us, to provide us a way of salvation. You look over in the first Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, and Peter tells us that even the Old Testament prophets who were writing about the Messiah who was to come and the salvation that was to come, they didn't get the full picture. They didn't know how that was going to happen. They didn't know who the Messiah was going to be. They didn't know who this was for, Peter says. Folks, we get the end of the day. We get to know the gospel that way. And so we get to know that divine wisdom, that divine information that the prophets of old did not know. Next we see that we have an inheritance. Verse 14 says that the Holy Spirit is given to us as a pledge of our inheritance. We get to have an inheritance. Verse 11 says, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined, again, predetermined, according to His purpose. That is, in accordance with, or step in step with His purpose, which was, according to His will, verse 11, verse 12, in Christ, in Him, verse 10. You see, that was His predetermined plan that as these adopted children, we get to have that inheritance in the heavenlies. Here's God's plan. I'm going to send my son. He's going to buy these folks out of slavery to sin. But more than that, his death is also going to be the price that allows them to become adopted children. And they're going to have an inheritance in my house. 
good thing about God's house is we get to have the inheritance even though daddy's already is still there. And that's why we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place. This was a message that would resonate with people of the Roman Greco culture of that day because it was very common for wealthy individuals who had no children to adopt adults so that they could have their riches or carry on their estate. There were Caesars that were adopted as adults by other Caesars to carry on their name. We think of adoption today of small children being adopted, and that's a glorious thing. I'm glad that happened. But these folks were accustomed to people as adults adopting other adults to give them an inheritance. And Paul says we have that in Christ. And he says, I want you to understand, folks, verse 13, that the Holy Spirit is given as a pledge. Some translations may say a deposit. It's the same Greek word from which we get the idea of an escrow account for a house. It's a guarantee that you're getting that property. It's a guarantee that you're getting what's been promised. There's much more that we can say about this passage, but I want us to think about how we can be in Him. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, Do you not know that those of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? Therefore, if you have been baptized with Him in the likeness of His death, so too shall you be raised with Him in a newness of life. And then Paul goes on to say there in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, that we have crucified our old body of sin with Him so that our old body of sin is no longer a master over us. That's how we get in Christ. In the book of Galatians, Paul tells us that we have been clothed with Christ in baptism. You can wear Christ in your life by being baptized into His death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. That's how we get in Christ. Folks, that was God's plan before He even said, let there be light. He knew there needed to be a way for you to become His son or His daughter. Because in the course of our lives, even though we were God's creation, we said by our behavior, by our attitudes, by our thinking, God, I want nothing to do with you. And we ran off from God. We wandered off from God and found ourselves in slavery to sin. But this was God's plan to let us become his sons and his daughters and to have the joy of looking forward to those inheritances in the heavenlies. Do you want to know what those are? Do you want to see them? You can do that by being in Christ. And you can be in Christ by being united with Jesus in baptism. And if that's what you need to do this morning, or you have other needs that you need to let the church be aware of, maybe we can pray for you and help you, whatever your need, won't you come as together we stand and sing.